0: Welcome to the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast, where we explore what it means to grow daily and find our best in every aspect of life.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast. I'm John Shirky, here with my friend, my co-host, Jamie Wagner. As always, Jamie, good to see you.
0: You as well. Um, it's been a crazy couple of weeks in our life, and and we're just happy to get back at it, Um
1: yeah Yeah, crazy and congratulations for those of you who don't know jamie and his wonderful wife Callie welcomed baby number two to the world so congrats yeah little
0: little baby boy now we got one of each and uh i mean we're excited like crazy it's it's been it has its own challenges having a new a newborn in the house with a two-year-old so but we have
1: talked over and over jamie about how this journey of mental skills performance right it's challenges no us and we have it to deal with it and implement it every day and i would imagine adding another tiny little human being to your mix has challenged you even even more
0: well today even right i had this moment where it's like okay i know and i understand this thing but i'm still like emotionally not dealing with it terribly well right i know that there can be this Problem when you introduce a new child into your house with the child that gift your two year old right gift yeah. gift it's a gift. gift yeah um and so I I was challenged by that like because my response wasn't what I wanted it to be you know I I responded in a way that was and like what a a tremendous opportunity to step in and say okay how do I want to respond in the future. But I don't think I would do that if I wasn't constantly having these conversations. Like I wouldn't have been aware that I didn't want to respond that way, or I would have felt shame or guilt about it. Like I felt bad. I didn't want to do that. And now I can address it. You know, um, just having some awareness of the problem, the issue that my thinking, emotional response. Now I get to to check myself the next time it happens. And you know, like it is a process. This whole thing is a process, and. And we talk about that today with, with our guest, who you say it when we bring him on, we've, we've been ha- talking for a long, long time about having, having Jeremy Christensen on, um, and we were, we were right to think it cause he, he brings it and he brings it in an awesome way.
1: Yeah, no, back to what you were just saying though, it, it logically we can know, right. We can have the information and we've talked about this before, but I had this conversation with the coach the other day and he's like, Logically, I know that I'm getting to this point. How do I change it? How do I do it differently? Right. And that's hopefully what these conversations are about. And I think Jeremy gave us a little bit of that in some different areas today. And and you're right. He brings the good juice and we appreciate him for not only, you know, coming and being a guest, but we've had lots of conversations long before the podcast started about football and track and life with him. So good stuff yeah and
0: he he's been growing us for a long time right it, is what it boils down to he's been growing us for a long time and that's why we've kind of said hey he needs to be on at some point and just happened to be an opportunity to get him and his voice to to grow the rest of you as well so uh, incredibly grateful to him and and we had a great time
1: excited to share it with you jeremy christensen here we go Jamie, this is a guy that we've talked about having on our podcast from the very beginning of when we started doing podcasts. And we said, hey, who's a coach that gets it that buys into what we believe to be great about youth sports and, and the experience that kids can have? Jeremy Christensen, high school football, track, strength and conditioning, and certainly a friend of ours. Welcome to the podcast.
2: Yeah. Hey, happy, happy to be on long time listener first time caller
1: i appreciate also that you have if you're watching this on youtube coach is a concordia cobber and in the pecking order of you know the mayak i guess we're more accepting of cobbers <laughs> than some of the others but uh, i appreciate that you put you hid that helmet uh, behind you so no one can see it
2: <laughs> you're welcome
0: so jeremy you and i have crossed paths quite a bit because the track we're in the same section for track. We work together uh, for football and we've had some amazing conversations around what it means to be a coach. I'm going to, I'm going to start big and we can get a little bit granular, but in your world, what does coaching mean to you and what is, what is your goal in that process?
2: Well, I have been fortunate to um, be involved with coaching in a, in a few different aspects. So you mentioned, football and track, um, also a lot of the stuff with, with athletic performance, strength and speed conditioning, however you want to term it. Um, and I kind of got my first taste of it when I was in college, as maybe you guys did too. Um, I was a a football athlete in college. So my springs were open and I had been a track athlete, track and field athlete in high school. And so I actually started coaching the javelin throwers, which mind you, Minnesota doesn't have. So my experience was this, um, (laughs) When I was in college with the Oak Grove track and field program, a couple other football players and myself helped out with their, with their jab throwers. And I knew that that was something that I wanted to do very, very long before that, which is why I got into education in the first place is working with kids and passing different things down, whether it was sports related, whether it was just life related. Um, I I come from a little bit of an education family. My wife, mom was a special ed teacher um, and is currently in her 40th year at, at my hometown high school. Um, she's now in the title room as, as an aide, uh, but she's been in education for her, her whole adult life, essentially. And uh, I'm, I'm number two of four in our family, and older brother is a principal, two younger sisters are both elementary teachers. So um, sports, coaching, teaching, which I think oftentimes we can we can take those two words, coaching and teaching, and they're interchangeable, right? So, um, been a huge part of my life for a long, long time, but I knew from an early stage because I had good experiences with those mentors and those people as I went through school and through sports, I wanted to do that too. I I wanted to be that person that could give back and, um, continue to work with, with not only kids, but work with the sports and the, and the hobbies of mine that I feel so strongly about. And to me, that's, that's kind of what the purpose is. Right. Like it's um, we talk about the difference between goals and, and the purpose of, of an athletic program or of a coach. And our goals are to be as successful as we can on the field, on the court, on the track, whatever it might be. Um, but our purpose to me and my purpose is I, I want kids to be better people when they leave our program. And that doesn't mean that I want them to be terrible when they get to us. Right. We want them to start high, but, but finish higher. And, um, you know, that's that's kind of, I think, what's what's so special about high school level sports and, and activities and just being a teacher in general is that you get to you get to work with kids from a very young age and you get to, to mold them and you get to model certain things that you feel are important to and And hopefully they get to, to grasp onto that. And even if it's just one little thing and they take it with them. Um, and they're they're better off because of it. that's That's the purpose of you know what I want uh, the programs that I'm involved with to to have as kids go forward.
1: So I, I want to take you back because you said something, and Jamie and I talk about this a lot, where it's the, the word teacher and coach. And you know, a, as a coach, I think it's becoming more common to say, no, I'm a teacher, I'm a teacher of the game, I'm whatever. But that hasn't yeah. always been the case, right? Where it's like, oh you have teachers and you have coaches. And so, talk to me a little bit about what you see, how you see that that label, that word of teaching as part of coaching.
2: Well, I think they're they're one and the same, right? I mean, if you're if you're a good teacher, you have the ability to take knowledge, take content, and transfer that to somebody else and help them to a mastery level, you know, a proficiency level, and hopefully to a mastery level. Um, Coaching is no. No different right like our, our workbook might be a little bit different our our subject area might be a little bit different but um to me if you're a a quality coach and i'm not just talking about x's and o's and we can scheme and you know we could have chalk wars and and whoever has the marker last is going to win type of thing but but how you relate with with kids how you how you are able to take like i said that content and that knowledge and and get that into somebody else's mind, get them to understand it, get them to comprehend it. And then they go do it. Well, that's, that's teaching. Right. So um, I guess I've always kind of looked at it that way. And that probably goes back again, like I said earlier to the experiences that I had with some of the, the coaches that, that were, you know, working with me and teachers that I had as well. Um, but I think that a lot of that even goes to, to my family and my upbringing. So I mentioned my mom has been in education for her career. Um, my dad, my dad, a summer after he graduated from high school started his own uh, construction earth moving business road road construction type work and so my mom's got 40 years in education dad now has 40 years essentially in a business that he started with nothing he got grandpa bought him one dozer when he was 18 years old and he's built that into a you know family owned very very successful business well teaching young kids, how to work, how to um, relate with people, right? Talk back and forth. The customer is always right and different things. All that stuff came into play for me. So it hasn't just been the teachers and the coaches. It's been the family that I've had around me too. That's kind of helped mold that, I think. And that's, that's extremely important. Um, you know, I'm able to rate, relate with kids maybe because of some of that background that I have with, with dad and uncles working, whether it was on the farm or in the construction business, relate with kids in my classroom that maybe have no idea that that's something that I've done, you know, and then now we have that connection, same thing with sports. Um, so yeah, it's, I, I, I think they should be like this teaching coaching. That doesn't necessarily mean that every teacher is going to be a good coach or every coach is going to be a good teacher, but generally there's a, there's a correlation there. I think that, that, you know, those of us that have been involved with it see pretty highly.
0: That's, a little bit why I asked the question. Cause I knew that that was the answer. Cause we've had this coaching <laughs> is teaching, teaching is coaching conversation before. I think it's hard though, right? I think at times it can be incredibly challenging because being the head coach is more like management leadership at times. And the teaching role gets set aside, right? It becomes less than because so much stuff is urgent and not terribly important where the teaching is so valuable, so important, so necessary, but yet we place it on the back burner at times. Did you ever feel that way? Is that something that you ran up against? Um, how do you deal with that reality when you're in a small town and your staff isn't huge and you can't say, okay, you guys go teach. I'll do the rest of the stuff.
2: Um, I, you know, so again, this is year 15 for me, um, in education and in coaching and uh, so like many of us that come out of college, especially as a collegiate athlete and an education major, we want to find that perfect fit right off the bat. And I, and, and I'm going to be a head coach and I know, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not like those other green rookies and I know this and I know that. So like anyone else, I applied for positions that had that, that HC tag to them right off the bat too. And, um, oddly enough, it was never offered one of those right out of college, you know, um, thank goodness. I I tell people all the time that the nine years that I spent as an assistant were probably the best teaching I could have gotten. Um, and I, and I don't know that I would still be doing this had I not, you know, or had I gotten a head position, I think I'd have, I'd have been burnt out immediately. Um, as you pointed out, Jamie, so both, both of them take so much and rightfully so In, in today's day and age, you know, a head coaching title or just coaching in general, I don't, I don't think it really matters, but coaching has become so much more teaching has become so much more, especially in the last 18 to 24 months with, with what's going on in our world. Um, so trying to balance, balance that is important. Um, I, before I got my first head coaching position, I was visiting with my high school head football coach at the um, coaches clinic down in the cities. And, uh, so we're talking, we're talking ball and, and we're talking other things and, and, um, uh, the best piece of advice that I ever got, and, it, and it's, this is easier said than done. Cause this is probably something that I still struggle with most of all is you can't be afraid to delegate and you can't be afraid to let your staff, your other coaches take things on, you know, you, you can't be superhuman. You can't, you can't do everything or you, you know, it's that inch deep and mile wide adage, I guess you know, you're going to spread yourself too thin and, and it's, it's not going to be a very good product. And again, that's easier said than done because um, all of us two are competitive, right? We, we were athletes at one point and, and this is maybe still how we scratch that itch a little bit in the coaching world. So we don't want to, it's hard for us to swallow our pride sometimes and, and do that. But um, I, that's probably the best piece of advice I've ever gotten.
1: Coach, you talked about balance and how coaching and teaching have gotten to be way more than, what they used to be. One of the things I know about you is that maybe the most important thing to you in this life is your family. How do you balance being a head coach and the demands and all of that with, with coaching and how do you make that a priority?
2: Well, first and foremost, you, you outkick your coverage when you get married and and I definitely did that. Um, all of us, that was a a softball right there,
1: right on the team.
2: (laughs) Um, we, we're fortunate uh, that you know. My brother is—I mentioned earlier. My older brother is—is is a principal in the Fargo North District, and his, his early years. So he he was hired as a head coach right out of college, and um, and was very successful. Did a, did an awesome job in a very small school, and and then kind of moved up to another program, and then he moved to where this to the Fargo North District a few years later. And he got out of coaching and I just kind of thought what are you what are you doing know like I I thought that was that was his thing that was his calling and um and we're we're both fortunate enough that we have a better half that is got a free ticket to sainthood and um does a lot a lot for us on the on the home front and um you know but likewise uh, his wife, my sister-in-law works in healthcare. So not in a school schedule. My wife works in healthcare, not in a school schedule. It's tough. Uh, it, it's very tough. So the fact that they're able to do that is, is awesome. And I tell her that all the time. And she knows, she also tells me. All the
1: time. Um, is there, is there, anything that you, is there anything that you've done uh, to, to make that a priority? Cause again, we have a lot of, you have listened to the podcast. We have a lot of coaches yep. listening. And I think all of us, are always looking for ideas as to, okay, how, how do we actually do that? How do we get intentional about saying, even in the season, how do I handle my family time?
2: It's uh, right right away. I'll say that that I've had my, in the schools that I've been at have been very good about this too. It's never been an issue. And and um, that's been very, very good to have that type of support. In fact, that it hasn't been an issue, but I have my kids that are school age, they don't ride the bus home you know, they'll, they'll, they're with me. If they're in school, they, they come to the practice field after school and they'll help out with cones and in the fall or setting up drills or getting bags. And, and so the kids, meaning the the athletes get to see me kind of in the dad role a little bit too, which I think is, is important. Um, but at the same time, kids, my own get to see me, get to see what dad does. Um, and, and so that's, that's, part of that balance, I think, is trying to get them involved in any way that you can. Um, the other thing, too, that COVID brought this on and, and it's COVID did brought on a lot of things that I think opened people's eyes to this is maybe the better way that we should have been doing this before. And then we were forced to do it. Now we see that or now that we know that. Um, but as staff, coaching staff for football, for example, we don't meet in person on the weekends anymore, and. We didn't have to do it before, but we did it because that's how we did it. And so now having a Zoom meeting, you know, in the evening, I get to spend, not just me, but the rest of the the coaches too, get to spend extra time, whether it be on a Saturday or Sunday with your family. And, you know, after the kids are in bed or after you've had time, uh, you know, with a, a meal with your wife or whatever it might be, then we can plug in the headphones and jump on a Zoom and and still get accomplished everything that we need to accomplish, and so I think that's that's part of what's maybe helped that out in recent years with with a lot of people, not just our staff or myself, but
0: for a lot of coaches. I think that's so interesting, and it's it seems inane a little bit, like that's so easy, and that we didn't think about it, right? Yeah. But the the biggest issue I experience when talking to head coaches, and I talk to a lot of them, is like how time balloons, right? This idea that everybody's always looking for your opinion or your thing. So it's after a meeting it's, Hey, can I get 10 minutes? And it turns into 25 or, Hey, can I, you know, and like having really firm boundaries with that, a zoom, we just shut the computer off, you know, like it makes it super easy, but having firm boundaries with that might be a tool that somebody can say, yeah, we still meet in person because we really value that time together and we like You know, not to say you don't like your staff. I I mean, I know a few of them. I understand, but uh, no, like, but it's being able to say, guys, like, when it's done, it's done, right? Where you can ask me tomorrow, chew on it, figure out the answer for yourself. Ask me tomorrow. We'll we'll figure it out at practice or whatever. We don't need to have the answer right now. Let's not make that an additional hour of my time because you guys want to sit and chat a little bit. Like that's a that's a really valuable thing too. So.
2: And, and as coaches, it, regardless if, we, you know, if we're talking football or, or basketball, softball, track, whatever, we all, if we're involved with it, we do it because it's it's an interest of ours, right? So we we can all sit there and have those conversations and that time goes by like that. Like it's not hard for us to sit down and talk. We think it's 15 minutes and my goodness, it's an hour and a half later type of thing. Um, but I, this is where my, my age is showing up a little bit. I think it was Jerry Kill, but we were at the, mfca clinic a number of years ago and i believe it was coach jerry kill but said something to the effect of that i don't want any of my staff members to bring things home with they should not be working on football or sports stuff at home you get it done in the office and you get it done efficiently and you get it done in a timely manner so that you can go home you can spend that time with you can spend that time with your family um and and that kind of hit me too and at that point i think you know Michaela and I had maybe just been married. I don't even know if we had kids at the time, but it was, well, geez, if that can be done at, at a major college athletic level, well, that should be something that's pretty easy to be done than at a, at a high school level too. So I I do think that that's important. And, and I think that that sets up a perspective too, for your, for your assistant coaches or the other people that you work with, but also your, your kids, you know, your, your student athletes, that is, that this is our time. You know, I, I, I don't, want to take this home with me as a, as a coach and neither do the assistants. So when we have an hour and a half or a two hour window of practice or prep time, we want to, we want to use every minute of that as efficiently as we can.
1: So a couple of thoughts on that. I, I think you have to be intentional about that though, in terms of, because I think there still is people and an idea out there that the more we work, the more work we get done, right? The more hours of film, the more hours of meetings, the more hours of fill in the blank, the more productive we're going to be and the better we're going to be, which I am totally out on. I don't think that's the case, but I think there is a perception out there. And so I think being intentional about, Hey, this is how we operate. This is what we expect of our coaches. This is what we expect of you guys. As athletes, you need to be able to go home and do your homework and spend time with your families and your girlfriend or whoever else you need to do, whatever else you need to do, right? And I I think the other thing that came up, you were talking about Zoom and how we change things, and Jamie, you're like, yeah, it seems so simple, right? Is I just wrote down, like, not doing things the way they've always been done just because that's what we saw or what what we learned. And so, Coach, what's something that you – maybe have, have learned as a coach that you did because this is how I think it's supposed to be. Right. And it may be going back a few years, hopefully because you've evolved, but <laughs> what's something that you, you, you were like, no, this is what I saw from my coaches or what I observed. And I think this is how you do it. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, I think they were just doing that because that's how it's always been done.
2: So, and I'm sure that um, you guys have maybe had some conversations with Trevor about this too, but the whole conditioning thing like wind sprints gassers speed ladder like we we all grew up that way at least i'm kind of about the same age so i'm sure we all did right um and and that's just that's how you started coaching that this is how we did it so I, i i don't know the uh the epiphany to me happened probably two and a half years ago i suppose and it's related both from my coaching with track and field as well as football, but, um, you know, Johnny hit the nail on the head, be intentional about your time. What's, what is the purpose of doing a, B and C? What do we get out of doing a, B and C? Are we just doing it to do it? Are we just running the kids at the end of practice? Cause we got 10 more minutes to fill and well, we're going to do this or is there a reason behind it? Um, So I I think that that's something that that's kind of a major change for me, too, because I was the uh, I was the work hard kid. Um, You know, I I was that's not that I was an outstanding high school athlete, but why I was the level that I was was because I was going to outwork everybody. Right. And so to kind of have that switch of, well, there's there's you can still outwork somebody, but it's that whole work smarter, not harder type of a deal. And, um, you know, so we, we're very much more intentional about how, how we condition kids, the temple of practice, how we get from one period to another. Um, you know, our, our whole philosophy has changed quite a bit. Um, and I, I can say our, cause I am the sprint coach on the track program, but our sprint philosophy has changed a lot in the last couple of years with, with that same kind of mantra or adage. And that's, that's kind of a feed the cats, Tony Holler type of a thing. So um, but also give an example, goal. give an
1: example of that though. What, what, what was it and what did you change to?
2: So we, we used to, we used to do what we call Laker makers. Um, and at previous school, we did the same thing with different name, different mascot. Right. So we, I believe we always did it. It's been a while now. So it's, I think we always did it the first. Yeah. It was always the first Friday of, of summer practice. So we got your last day of that first week, right? Hell week as everybody wants to call it. Um, and so a Laker maker was you start on a goal line and you sprint 10 and back, and then it's 20 and back and you go all the way up and you come all the way back down. So you're, you're hundred yard ladder, so to say, um, I don't know what purpose that served <laughs> other than it, it wasted time or it spent time. I mean, we didn't think we were wasting time, but what, what did that do to make them a better football player specific skill wise? Yeah. I don't know other than show us how to show us how the kids that were in good shape dialed back because they knew that they, they could do it. So I'm not going to push it super, super hard. I'm going to, I'm going to do just enough. And those kids that, you know, football takes a variety of body shapes and sizes, right? So those kids that are, that are not as cardio fit. I mean, they're, you've lost before you even started the first 10, they know it's coming. And then, so that's something that, you know, we haven't done in however many years. And, and now it's more of a, you know, the the football is an anaerobic sport, right? So we get that quick five to seven second, hard, intense, um, everything you got and then you get your recovery time. Well, that's, that's kind of how we structure our practices, whether it's a drill um, you know, we don't do conditioning anymore. Uh, even on our practice plan, it's not, not labeled as that. We call anything where we're actually going to be doing a sprint concept is team sprinting. It's not we're not conditioning. We're taking the I mean we are, but we don't even throw that word out there. We've kind of removed it from our from our vocabulary. So that that would probably be the easiest example in, in the football side of things. Um, I used to be kind of a ladder guy too with the sprinters and track and field, and yeah, you know they'd come and look and what are we going to do today? And but they they don't do that anymore. They know that well, it's either a speed day or it's a it's plyo day or whatever it may be.
0: I, I was the same, right? I, I'm thinking as you're speaking, like how many times did my 100 and 200 meter athletes run more than 250 meters on a workout? You know, like there's almost no need, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're a 200 meter athlete, maybe we need to push the barrier right to 220, 250 sometimes. Yeah. But like if we're gonna actually train at a high at a high speed why are we going faster than that you know farther than that and it's like it's like just <laughs> yeah exactly we stop getting that speed development that speed recruitment we stop changing like we stop worrying about impact we stop worrying about you know where we are in form we everything breaks down the farther we go but we just do it because it's the thing that we've always done and i'm just going to take what you just said and challenge the coaches out there right how what where are you doing something and maybe you need to change the language right i love that you yeah. talked about change the word right we're not even gonna call it conditioning anymore we're gonna call it sprinting because we sprint mechanics run mechanics whatever we want to call it let's call it that instead of conditioning because that's the value we're getting from this thing is that we actually have to be good runners on the football field also right we have to know well, how and, to in run, our kids, and run well
2: yeah and our kids know that sprinting is short distance, right? We yeah. can't sprint for a long, long distance. You're just talking about 200 meters. Mm-hmm. And we know that even Usain Bolt hits his, his top speed at about the 70, 75 meter mark during his prime. And it's not that he was faster top speed than anybody else during his reign as an Olympic gold medalist. He decelerated slower than everyone else, you know? Um, so yeah, just, I think the wording of it is is a big part of it. They hear conditioning it's like, oh sprinting is like, well, I mean, I know that that's short, that's going to be short distance. I can handle short distance.
1: Well, and I, as a, as a former offensive lineman, tight end, (laughs) bigger body type, that was not the sprinter. You know, it reminded me of Travis Walsh who we had on, I mean, a previous episode and he talked about how do we make this fun? How do we bring games into this and have different expectations And he talked about giving everybody a ball and let everybody try to touch it. Right. And, and doing stuff like that, where this, that's exactly what you said is like, okay, let's have realistic expectations of all of our different kids. Right. Let's have a purpose behind the stuff that we're doing and then let's go, let's be efficient and then get our work done.
2: Yeah. So, so like, instead of ending that first week with, with a Laker maker, um, we do, and and I always leave this stuff up, Trevor, because he's a little bit more creative than I am. But we'll do some form of a team relay. And our equipment shed is empty. And it's spread everywhere out on the football field. And it's, you know, all right, you got to split up into groups of this. And we got nine cones there. And there's, there's nine pylons that are on the opposite 20 and, and kids are But they love it because it's, it's fun. They don't realize what they're, what they're doing. And it's a competition. And, and also it builds teamwork stuff. Um, You can, you can accomplish a lot subconsciously with high school athletes, right? I mean, they're teenagers, so you can, you can manipulate sometimes their thought process without them maybe knowing it and get them to do something that they probably would have not wanted to do had it been structured slightly different, or as we just pointed out, had it been worded different.
0: Well, let's be real. It's not just 15, 16, 17 year olds. You could trick oh, yeah. them into doing something too. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm 36, and I would, in a second, if you told me we're going to compete and we're going to have a relay and we're going to make this a game and yeah, I'm going to ask you to win, I'm going to, I'm a race, right? I'm going to get out and I'm going to get up on my toes and I'm going to drive. Like, I just, so much of coaching and teaching, let's go back to this idea being able to transfer ideas, being able to transfer concepts to people is being able to understand what is the purpose, right? Having the answer to why. And when you say we're going to condition like I can't, I can't honestly tell you, you know, and my high school coach, the track coach, too. And I love the guy. He's been on the podcast. Great dude. But we would run, you know, we'd have a 15 minute run at the end of practice around the football field. We don't ever run. Yeah. And he doesn't do that kind of stuff anymore either. right? right. But right. we don't ever run for 15 minutes continuously in a football game. We run for seven seconds and that's a long play right? We got to If we start for seven seconds, that's a long time in a football game. So we we need to be able to find the purpose and relate it back to exactly what the skill is that we need to develop. And so, you know, and I think the listeners can probably hear how many of these conversations we've had with each other because (laughs) it it is so much in alignment and we believe deeply in the same ideas. And I I'm so grateful that you bring some of this stuff out because to us that's coaching eyes up right is this is let's be purposeful and intentional about how we bring the skills that are needed on friday nights or when we compete into the everyday of practice rather than waste time doing a 15 minute run when we don't we don't need to run for 15 minutes continuously ever so well
2: and that's that's i think the huge part or or the it's not just huge; it's probably the best part of, of high school athletics right is that it's get kind of back to the very beginning here the goal of of successful you know win loss records things like that and, um, and then the purpose of can you take what you have learned in a sport and either bring it to the classroom bring it to the hallway bring it home bring it to your future place of employment that's that's what I don't think you get Anywhere else at any other level of, of athletics. You know, I mean, I love playing college football. Don't get me wrong. It was it was a blast, and some great relationships stemmed from that. Um, but high school sports are different. And I think that's the reason why. At least that's
1: I, I think that's the biggest reason why. So, coach, that's a great segue to something I wanted you to speak on. We've we've had the privilege of working with you and your team for the last few years, even before the podcast. And one of the coolest things Jamie and I were talking about before you came on. It's incredibly humbling to, to have you guys, you have a postseason award. That's the eyes up mindset award and you've given it out, I think three times now or something like that. And so first of all, thank you. That's incredibly humbling. That something that we are doing means enough that you're going to give out an award to an individual, but maybe talk to us a little bit about the award and, maybe who won it this year or or past winners and, and kind of what that means. Cause I think that's exactly what you were just talking about as far as the goal versus the purpose.
2: Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, it's been three years now, um, which is, you know, we've had you guys working with our, with our kids for the last three years. And, um, we, we, as a staff obviously feel that this, this information, this type of growth mindset and, and positive and eyes up stuff is really, really important. Not, not just for football, not just for athletics, more so for life, right. That how you bring it to the next, to the next part of the book, whatever your next chapter might be. Um, so yeah, we've, we've done an eyes up board for the last three years and um, you know, we've, we've had you guys in, in person, we've done some stuff with the kids that you guys have sent us to and, Uh, we've taken basically those, those lessons or those activities and uh, almost like a teacher would, right. You're going through the, the classes work and and things like that. And, and so we're looking at some of the stuff that the kids have actually done on paper. And then we look at how, how are they portray that? So like, is, is it just words to you or is it walking the walk to you? Um, And, and obviously, you know, we've, we've had, a number of kids, student athletes for us that have really walked that walk. And, um, so this year we honored two, two young gentlemen. We always, we always do seniors. Um, and, uh, so we had two seniors really, the cool thing Trevor is the one that presents this at our, at our banquet. And we just did this the other night. And the cool thing is, and he brought this up just the other day, two very different kinds of situations with these two award winners this year. Um, one of them did not set foot on the football field at all this entire season, um, but has been a four-year member of our football program uh, due due to some unfortunate injuries and nagging things. Was never able to actually compete on a Friday. Got to the point where we practiced a little bit with them, but never actually got to set foot on the field as a senior, and and that's that's tough. That that could be a you know a lot of kids could use that situation as a real negative situation and. And, you know, they go route A instead of route B. Um, this young man choose to go route B and, and he still gave us 110% every day. Um, was a dual sport actually this year too. So COVID allowed some kids to last year with how Minnesota football took place a little bit later in the fall. We had some kids that did cross country that were football players for us. We had some kids that did some soccer and um, this young man tried soccer. And so he kind of found a, a niche there too. So he would go to soccer practice come to football practice this fall. And he was like another coach on the, on the field as a senior, obviously been around. So he knows, knows the schemes and different things like that, Um, but always positive about it. Like could have been very, very negative about it, but I was always positive about it. Uh, The other gentleman was a first year football player. So had never really been around the sport. I think played in seventh grade, but hadn't really been around high school football at all. Um, It was a brand new experience for him really didn't know what to expect, but was there every day trying to be a sponge, you know, and, and not just soak up things about football, but soak up what this experience is as a high school football player, as a senior, because it was his only year that he had to do it. Um, so, you know, getting getting those two kids from two very different situations and and, and highlighting them the other night, it was, it was really cool. And, and it's been that way the previous two years too, you know, it's, it's a unique situation. And, it um, you know, sometimes it, it brings to light, not just for the, the award recipients, but we're doing this at our awards banquet. Well, there was 170 people in the room, you know, when you talk about how important this stuff is and you talk about how these young men were able to portray that and, and live, live out in an, in an eyes up way is, is really kind of cool for not just them and the coaching staff, but then for the other people to kind of see that too, and and hopefully continue to spread and grow that type of mentality and mindset. So
0: that's awesome. I, I was having a conversation with my mom yesterday, I believe, and it was just about how our college football experience, right? We, you know, everybody that's listening knows that we played at Bethel for football and, and that wait, Jamie,
1: you went to Bethel? (laughs)
0: Once, once I went for one game one time anyway. um, But she was talking about how much impact it had on our family and the families broadly of the athletes that went there. Right. And how it opened the door to these conversations. It created an avenue to be talking about things that maybe aren't super comfortable to talk about because now mom and dad are hearing them from the coaches the kid is hearing it from the coach every day, and now there's a curiosity or a trigger or something, and now that conversation happens in a way that is maybe a little bit more organic because the kid bringing it isn't likely to happen. Let's be real, right? Yeah. I mean, like, and so now there's just connection, and I think, to me, what does a successful program look like? It it might not be the goals, the wins, and the losses right? We would love to experience that, right? And, and you and I and John have all had that fun of winning, but successful programs are not defined in those ways. It's, it's have we opened the door to those conversations in houses, in homes? Have we created young men that are going to be better fathers, better dad, or better husbands, better employees like you talk about? And, and to be able to highlight that, and especially when, you know, it might be that your best eyes up type kids are winning awards on, you know, at the high school league level or the conference level or the district level, whatever it might be, but being able to honor kids that maybe don't get those opportunities also is, is really cool. So that's a, it's like John said, it's a, it's an amazing thing that you guys are able to take what we do and then put it mm-hmm. into your program also, which uh, is a little bit mind blowing, but. um Well, I, th- I think, I think it's cool. something
2: too, that, that, you know, good teachers and good coaches probably are doing maybe without knowing that they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but having you guys come in and, you know, gets back to using the word intentional, being intentional about it has just kind of taken it to a, to a whole nother level. So quick, quick little story too, because um, it just came in the mail within the last week. I think the coolest thing about being a, a coach and a, and a teacher, high school, the high school students is the connections. So you you talked a little bit, Jamie, about how, you know, the college football experience kind of brought some of those conversations and things that maybe wouldn't have happened before. And, and um, I think the coolest part about, for me anyway, is I've been in this long enough now where I have received wedding invitations and, you know, Christmas cards and, and stuff like that. And it just, like I said, just got another wedding invite to a former athlete, former student the other day. And it's ever, it doesn't matter how many times it happened every time something like that does happen. Um, it gets you, you know, I'm getting a little emotional about it even right now. It's, it's a, that's the reason that's the purpose behind all that stuff. So it's, it makes, it makes it all worth it, you know, in, in that sense, but those, those are the connections that, um, I have that type of connection with the guys I played with in college and, um, and, I've, and I've met throughout the coaching fraternity, so to say, but I don't know that I have that type of connection with anybody that I played for. And that doesn't make them bad coaches. I just think that in today's culture, we're starting to get more intentional about those type of things. And, and um, that's, that's pretty special.
1: Coach, we appreciate what you do every day to pour into those kids and those families and the community. And, and thank you for the time and the service that you, you do. And it's been an honor to work with you. And we can't wait to get after it again with you in the near future.
2: Yeah, hey, I appreciate you guys having me on. It's been fun. I, hopefully, it's a, a good watch and listen for everybody. So, Absolutely.
1: Thanks, man. Awesome stuff from Jeremy today, Jamie. The thing to me that just jumps off my notes page is goals and purpose, right? And defining those two things. What what do you got as far as takeaways or things that stood out?
0: Well, that was certainly a big piece of it for me is we we want to have results, right? All of us want to have results. And th- I genuinely believe this, that when we tie purpose to the process, that the results take care of themselves, right? It's Bill Walsh, the score takes care of itself stuff. And we can set goals and we can have deep aspirations for awesome things. And that improves the experience for a lot of our athletes a lot of time to have success. But genuinely, I believe this. And I've said it before that when you do things the right way from a place of deep purpose, the goals kind of you meet them, right? You have the types of successes that we hope for and not right away necessarily. These are process driven things. So it takes a little bit of time and you got to have people that buy in. So if your athletes are, you know, if you don't connect with them, if you don't have a relationship with them, which has been the theme of so many of our conversations throughout the process, like it's going to be harder for them to buy in. And so like all these things are just connected to results, which is, you know, unfortunately what, a lot of these conversations end up coming down to with coaches. Well, how'd you do, you know? And, and that's just not the whole story.
1: No. And I think it, it's something that goes way beyond sport too. Right. And I think of even this morning and my boss listens and I've told her this over and over again, we have a meeting every week, every Thursday morning and every couple of months, she and I have a conversation about what is the purpose of this meeting? What are we hoping to accomplish? Because, I hate sitting in meetings. Right. And, and there is, but it's good to come back to why are we doing this? What do we get out of this? Just like Jeremy talked, just like he talked about with the conditioning, right? Where it's like, what purpose, what are we teaching? What is, what value are we getting? And if we're not getting anything, if we can't explain it, then we should be doing something else.
0: Well, and the reality is, is that the way that we use purpose in the conversation was twofold, right? It wasn't just like his goals versus purpose thing is what is your deep purpose behind why you do this thing? And do you come from that place consistently and do your kids and your athletes know that, right? Right. And then the second piece is what you're talking about. Is there value in doing this thing? Does it? And why are we connecting the action that we're doing to the skill that we're building the coaching is teaching things. So if we want to coach, like we've always coached, don't just run and condition and do all those things. You're not teaching anything. So how do we get to teaching purposefully, right? Like having all that together is, is a recipe for tremendous success. And, and again, it might not be on field, on track, on court success. It's, it's just life stuff that's, that's going to end up serving uh, really well to our athletes and they're going to, they're going to be successful sooner or
1: later. Appreciate you joining us and listening today. If you find value, share it, send a link to somebody that you care about that you are like, Hey, this is a value. It's the only way that we get the information out is if we share it, we give it away. It's the reason we do what we do. Jamie, we couldn't do it without our listeners. So also a couple episodes ago, I put out a pretty stern, Hey, if you're listening on Apple podcasts, go put a review in there and you know what we've gotten no reviews lately so get after it if you're listening go do it if first person to do it we might have a little something something to send you or or give you sweeten the pot a little bit so go do it (laughs) just kidding we love you we appreciate you jamie i appreciate you and and what you bring and what we get to do together and as always the eyes up